0: Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Ebert with Environmental Defense Fund.
1: And I'm Simone Malas. I don't want it to be a spoiler. I don't know what to say.
0: <laughs> Simone, yeah, we will we will get to that shortly. Um and, and you know, for folks that are listening, today is a very special day on Delta Dispatches, uh, and we're gonna talk about why that is, but before we spoil the news for everyone. Um Simone, how are you doing? How are things?
1: 87 degrees here, Jacques. 87
0: degrees. <laughs> oh, that well, it's fall like there and it's fall here. You know, it's it's 49 degrees here, which I think would count as winter in Louisiana.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure that we be busting out the North Face then. That's for sure. I had a friend who sent me the he lives in Washington D.C. sent me the most adorable picture of his kids in a pumpkin patch and I was like, well, what is that? What is that thing that you're in? What do they call that? Fall. <laughs> um, so it, it would be very nice, but we do have a, a cold front, cool front coming this weekend and, and we don't even have to take a lot of the rain that comes with it. So oh, it's going to be a blissful three days around here.
0: Well, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're ready to, uh, you know, make some gumbo. We have a gumbo advisory <laughs> I hear coming to Louisiana and I have to say, I am embracing fall and all its goodness. We did a nice hike uh, along the Saint Croix River in Minnesota, um, La Croix? which is beautiful. <laughs> oh, I think similar, maybe it's that's where its origins are. Um, you know, amazing fall, foliage, and then we followed up with a pumpkin patch, apple orchard, a lot of apple cider goodies. So I, you know, I'm like, I am experiencing fall and just embracing it. Um, but.
1: Jacques, when you when you move, do they hand you flannel? Like is that something they distribute door to door? Like how how does that flannel work there? That's mandatory?
0: It's kind of next level. You know, I've definitely I had some flannel in my wardrobe before. I've increased my flannel and but I'm stocking up on things that like I didn't even know what they were before. Well, maybe from college, but like balaclavas, I think is what they're called. It's basically whole head coverings that only your eyes can see out. <laughs> um, but everything else is covered. Very high, you know, cold, uh, weather uh, intensity gloves. You know, so I'm, I've been doing a lot of winter shopping, and, and I will keep you yeah. posted. Not, on. You
1: didn't keep anything you
0: had from down here, right? Because that's just yeah. not <laughs> yeah, effective. Ex- exactly. Uh, yeah. So we can do a layers report. How many layers am I wearing today?
1: Yeah. So yesterday was, I think, National Gumbo Day. Or I feel like that happens a lot, right? Um, so. If you make a gumbo, shop, are you able to find all the ingredients there?
0: I think I'm going to be doing a lot of chicken sausage gumbo mm. for the time being. Um, there is a distributor, a seafood distributor that actually brings in, um, I think, shrimp from the Gulf. And I need to find out what else they have. So, um, you know, I will have to be a little inventive with the ingredients for sure. But maybe, you know, for the holidays, I'll do a, a seafood gumbo and try to source all my Seafood from from the Gulf, even if it's gonna be a little bit more expensive than you know, going down to today's catch in Chalmet, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll make well, I'm it. Happy it to send
1: you a care package. Um, um, not with seafood, but <laughs> with anything else you need.
0: We have to get into the matter at hand. Um, yeah. I know folks are probably very curious about the intro to our show. Um so to help us do that, I'm excited to welcome back our first guest on Delta Dispatches Steve Cochran with Environmental Defense Fund Steve you are a guest about 170 episodes 100 ago 100
2: million years ago
0: We've joked about this but who knew
2: we'd still be here Well and 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 who knew that even with me as your first guest you, you would last even a week so that's really quite impressive <laughs> Well you set
0: us on a great course and we're our good luck charm so we're always happy to have you on the show. Um, but you're here because you had some news that you wanted to share with our listeners today. Um, so before we get to that though, I wanted to t- ask, I mean, Simone and I have been really focusing on the needs of communities in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. And we've had a bunch of different perspectives on, on how folks are doing in Louisiana um, over a month out from the storm. How are you and your family doing? And then I know also, Steve, that you've been in touch with a number of communities across the coast that were severely impacted. So, can you give us any information on, you know, where people are in terms of their recovery from Ida?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've I have um, I have been able to get out um, to trying to to be engaged in helping. Uh, I mean, one of the most amazing aspects of living here is seeing how um, how unbelievably committed the community is to helping others when they need help. Um, I mean, as we all, we live in New Orleans, we know, obviously we didn't have power for a while and still a lot of blue roofs around, but overall, you know, New Orleans did pretty well, uh, my house included. But when you get outside, when you get down to Chauvin or you get over to Grand Isle or you get, uh, even, you know, anywhere South of, of Golden Meadow, I mean, it's just, it's terrible, it's bad. There's just, there's no other way to put it. It's bad. And, and people have needed help and they've gotten help, though not enough in many ways. Um, they continue to, but it is just always remarkable to me how, how good people are here and how much, um, how much they bring, um, little things, big things, people bringing gasoline down, uh, people, uh, you know, stepping up and, and, and putting money into fun I mean, it's just been remarkable to see. And I just, it just makes me feel so good about, about this place, um, as hard as it is, uh, and it remains hard for an awful lot of people along the coast. So there it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, you've, you've been doing a lot and, and folks across um, our coalition and, and we're, we're continuing to spotlight, you know, different communities in, in need and folks can go to Mississippi river, slash Ida to hear um, and learn about some of those communities and particularly what, what the, you can do today to help them and their ongoing recovery. And it's definitely something we want to continue to focus on on in the show and the, the month months ahead. So, um, well, I do want to, Get to a little bit of, um, you know, as we alluded to, the news of, of the day and the show. So, Steve, um, I'll hand it over to you to, to, to do that and tell us a little bit about um, some changes that are happening at MRD.
2: Yeah, so I've got small news and big news. Um, the small news is that I'm going to take another step in my uh, now, actually, m- multiple decades uh, uh, environmental career. Uh, I'm staying at the Environmental Defense Fund, but I'm going to. Um, move more into building state programs uh, um, uh, across the country uh, for edf uh, and uh, and so that's uh, uh that's a bit of a surprise step for me not something I had planned on but uh, but something that i'm looking forward to and um, but so that's on the small news the big news is uh, that uh, your uh, your co-host 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 is both. Uh, yeah, watch here.
1: your watch your descriptive words there, very you carefully, Steve. The
2: I'm going to just edit myself before I get in trouble. So that the um uh, uh, MRD, which is uh, the Mr. River Delta uh, Coalition, which has been working together now for a number of years on this work, is now going to be um, going to be led by. Simone Malaz, which I think is a great step, really good news, really great news for this and somebody who brings so much to this effort. So uh, I think that's the big news of the day. And I'm really, really proud of that and really encouraged by it. So so that's my that's my small news, big news, Jack.
0: Well, thank you for breaking it with us on Delta Dispatches. And and hopefully it explains Simone's fumbled attempt at an intro <laughs> earlier in our show. So I think going forward, you'll be Simone Malaz with
1: Restore Mississippi River Delta Coalition. I had to think about it. <laughs> there you
0: go. Um, well, we definitely want to talk to you, Simone, in a second. And first, congratulations. Um, this is, you know, certainly exciting news. And to have someone who's worked so closely with our coalition and so many people across Louisiana's coast take on this, um, this position, it's just, it's great all around. But Steve, it is certainly bittersweet. Um, I'm going to miss personally not being able to work with you as closely as I have in the past and recently, but... Really glad you're staying within, of course, EDF, staying in New Orleans, and then continuing to work on a number of issues um, that are really important to Louisiana, but also states across the country, you know, including Florida, North Carolina, Virginia, and beyond. So there's really, really so much opportunity there for impact, and, and EDF is very lucky to have you in this role. So tell us a little bit about why you're excited for this next step in your career, and you know what it means in terms of you know, the ability to drive impact at the state level, which we've certainly seen that already happen in Louisiana with your leadership.
2: Yeah, I I mean, there's a couple of things. One is that um, um, I do think that uh, where we are in history, frankly, in the country, in terms of where change comes from and how things get done, um, it's so important to be engaged uh, at the state level. I think that's where we can demonstrate how things can work, um, where uh, in a period of really quite pretty deep uh, polarization around politics, that there is more of a focus on getting things done at the state level. And so, so I think it's a great, uh, a great time to really focus on uh, developing ideas, policy support, particularly around the issues that we work on here um, in other at a state level across the country. EDF is really interested in that and wants to do that. Uh, frankly uh edf has been pretty um excited about the involvement that we've had in louisiana and the and the progress that louisiana has been making on dealing with coastal restoration even in in engaging around climate change and having those real discussions and so i think they're they're encouraged by that and want to see uh and see us do that around the country so so that's a lot of fun and that's fun for me um it's a chance to sort of take things that i've learned here and apply them in different places um uh, so, so that's one thing. The other is that, um, that to be uh, complete about this, I was not uh, terribly thrilled when EDF called and said, hey, we want you to do this. And I was like, well, actually, I kind of like what I'm doing here. Uh, and and they said, yeah, but, but we want you to do this. And I was like, well, then let's talk about what that means. Um, I think there needs to be more investment from EDF in Louisiana. Can you do that? And they said, well, um, Well, yeah. If you're willing to do this, willing to do that, so so I was able to sort of leverage (laughs) more more engagement uh, from uh, from a lot of really smart people in Louisiana trying to help on energy, on climate, on uh, on coastal, on the range of things that matter here. So so I'm encouraged by that. I think that that's good news from my perspective. And then I have some opportunity to try to take what we've learned here and spread it. And I like doing that too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's certainly something we've highlighted the the lessons learned from Louisiana and how those are being applied in other places. We've certainly seen like states like North Carolina and, and Virginia starting to release their own versions of the Coastal Master Plan and really looking to Louisiana to inform how that's done. So certainly you'll have great perspective and leadership there and really happy to hear as well that EDF will remain committed to Louisiana. So I do want to ask a little bit. You mentioned, you know, your your multi-decades career which has been very impressive and diverse. Um, you know, working for, you know, former congressman and then governor Buddy Romer, you know, you were at the helm of Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation, now Pontchartrain Conservancy at the time when you're literally saving the lake. Um, you led EDF's National Climate Program and then of course running the restored the Mississippi River Delta. And moving into this new role. So tell us a little bit, I mean, I, I know it's hard to do um, career highlight. If you were to look back on on kind of your time over those different, um, you know, positions, is there one that really stands out or a moment where you were just like, yeah, that was a really awesome moment that I'll always remember?
2: You know, it's funny when you get old and you, and you hear somebody say, well, here are all the things that you've been involved in. And you go, damn, I'm old. That's <laughs> just that. um I, honestly it, it, this is absolutely the case uh the the thing that i i mean it, it's it is fun having worked in various things on different things and and there are lots of things that i feel good about and things that i wish had been better and all that but in this case um you know when when i came uh i was the first uh, executive director at at lake Pontchartrain basin foundation and that's still when people may remember shell dredging which was a a big challenge in the lake and really, really was uh, really detrimental to the lake. Um, and, and I got to be involved. There was a lot of work that had already been done before I got here, which is usually the case on these things. Um, and I had a chance to be able to be a part of um, really, really getting uh, resolution on that issue and ultimately um, ending uh, uh, shell dredging in the lake, which made a huge difference in the health of the lake, and and that was such a such an interesting uh, set of challenges. Uh, and it was the time when we really got to begin to build the sort of public engagement, public commitment uh, uh, the, around the lake. The you know the Save Our Lake uh, bumper stickers that are everywhere, the the things that it all sort of started during that period of time, and that was so um, encouraging. And to see people really committed, really remembering uh, what the lake could be, really thinking ahead about what it ought to be. Um, it was just so fun to see that occur and see that develop. So I, I really will always feel that that as a highlight of uh, of working on environmental issues is what happened right here around the lake. It's just been really wonderful to be a part of. So, so I'd have to say that for sure. Yeah,
0: that's so cool. And I mean, I certainly remember growing up, seeing the bumper stickers and the billboards everywhere. And I, I want to say it was like one of my first kind of causes or environmental causes that I was aware of. And yeah, kind what of were you really like
2: two, three years old? What were you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, a little a,
1: jockey I was
0: older, but yeah, I mean to say like, Hey, we made that bumper sticker obsolete in a way because we did accomplish what we sought out to do. It was pretty impressive. So, well, I want to give folks um, a little bit of a history lesson if they're not aware Um and, you know, our Restore the Mississippi River Delta coalition group, we're a little bit of an odd breed of cat, as my former English teacher used to say. You know, we're an organization of organizations, local and national. Um, you know, we've worked together for, for a while on this issue. So um, can you tell us, you know, for those who are not aware, how did Restore the Mississippi River Delta come to be?
2: You know, there were, there were a set of, of, of groups Individuals working on various pieces that that matter to the coast. Um, uh, back, uh, you know, back in the early two thousands. I mean, and a lot of this work goes back into the in the nineteen seventies. Honestly, um, when reports first began to to come forward, and then people began to get organized, um, uh, and then uh, and so a lot of work was going on, and then um, the uh, the oil spill happened, uh, and. Uh, and it was clear really early on that uh, there were going to be, under federal law, significant um, federal penalties, criminal and civil. And under the existing law at the time, federal law, all of that money would have gone into the federal treasury, uh, some of which would have been used to put in a, an account to deal with whatever the next disaster was, but the rest of it, which would have been spent on whatever Congress decided to spend it on. And so a number of folks who've been working on those issues said that that doesn't make sense. There's tremendous need down here, not just related to the oil spill, but even beyond that. Uh, and, and we should try to make sure that a large percentage of that money actually comes back to the Gulf, not not just goes into the federal treasury. And so, so that began an organizing effort among the groups, uh, the local groups and national groups that have been a part of efforts down here in one way or another. Um, and uh, and ultimately, that was, as everybody knows now, was successful at really helping galvanize the the congressional intent and the focus to to spend money on what needed to be done down here. And so that's when the the coalition came together. That's when the various groups that were are part of this now um, really got organized together. Uh, uh, got some. Um, support for funders, which if you're in the nonprofit world, you need to be able to do. in this case, the Walton Family Foundation, who had some overall commitment to the area down here, stepped in and helped uh, support the coalition efforts. and so so that's really where it got started. let's let's figure out how it is that we can capture the resources and apply them to a place that needs it. Um, and that was successful. And then it made sense uh, to really have something in place that could try to make sure that that money got spent wisely and well, effectively and and that's really, uh, that was, you know, now going back uh, what eleven years, uh, something more than that now. Um, that uh, that the organization came together. So um, made a lot of sense. I think it's worked pretty well, um, actually, pretty very well. We're um, thrilled to we have been a part of it, um, and and think it still matters tremendously. And so really look forward to it continuing to try to make sure that, again, not only that money spends gets spent well, but also that we can find additional resources uh, to make sure that what we all need to do gets done here.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned kind of that the BP oil spill settlement and that being kind of a milestone moment with the passage of the Restore Act before that. I mean, there's been so much that has happened um, in the time that you've been campaign director. I mean, it's it's hard to think about like, wow, what happened last year, much less... Where were we, you know, in 2013, 2014? But, you know, the, the oil spill settlement, the 2017 Coastal Master Plan, major milestones for, you know, the first sediment diversions to move forward, um, the Climate Initiatives Task Force, LA Safe, New Harmony High, you've been involved in a lot of that. So of that work that you've kind of been leading, what stands out to you, or is there a particular aspect of the work that you're most proud to have done as campaign director?
2: You know, I, I, I'm not entirely sure how to answer that question. The most important work that's going on uh, still is the Coastal Master Plan, um, trying to make sure that these projects can get in place and get in place. You know, I think we know what to do. Um, same is true with the Climate Initiative Task Force. We, we know what to do. The question is, can we do it in time? Can we do it fast enough? Can we get it done uh, in ways that actually make the difference? And so, but I, but I, and I think that everything that happens around the 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 coastal master plan is fundamental. Um, I, I love um, the fact that uh, the state is really looking at uh, the climate uh, initiatives. Really looking at how do we make Louisiana consistent with a future that we need um, under the climate initiatives. I thought. Uh, L.A. Safe that you mentioned was a wonderful demonstration of how to engage the community, uh, which I think is essential over time. So the community is helping make decisions rather than just having decisions handed to them by the next storm or by some decision in Baton Rouge or in Washington. I think community engagement is fundamental. And, I, and I've been lucky enough to be a part of you mentioned New Harmony High. So I will mention it as well. Um, uh, a high school that was created specifically to focus on to help kids learn. Um, Around uh, the issues of of the coast and the issues of sustainability here in Louisiana, you know what that looks like, what that means, and learn accordingly. and uh, And I, I can announce that New Harmony High School will graduate its first uh, its first uh, uh, senior class uh, at the end of this year, having started. Uh, four years ago now. And, um, and that's really, really fun. But I, I I think the coastal master plan is critical. It's essential. It's something that we have to stay focused on. We have to continue to figure out how to fund and have to continue to figure out how to make sure that it moves forward as fast as it possibly can, because that's what we're up against this time.
0: It's such a Great answer. You know, and and in a way, like all of it is connected and so important. And I, you know, I have a vision of you at the graduation of the first class of New Harmony High, and I bet that will be a very special moment for the, the teachers, for the people who are involved with the school, the students, parents, everyone. So you'll have to let us know how that goes. And I have to say, personally, I'm going to be A little sad not to have our regular check-ins as often. I'm still going to bug you every now and then, and so I hope that's okay. But you've provided, you know, just so much guidance and mentorship to myself, but I know to so many across our coalition and externally through the good times and the bad. And, um, you know, I've just appreciated your steady leadership and kind of your your perspective as we've navigated a lot of complex issues and and experiences. Um, So I have to ask, you know, the the last few years, of course, have been a challenge on so many levels. I mean, we were talking about Hurricane Ida at the at the beginning of the show, a storm we hoped would not happen after the devastating 2020 hurricane season that really just um, impacted so much of our state, particularly Southwest Louisiana. Of course, everyone's been dealing with the ongoing effects of COVID um, and, and how that's affected them personally and kind of children in schools. You know, we've had... Um, you know, new climate reports that come out all the time about the urgency of the work we're doing and and latest projections for sea level rise. So, you know, it is hard to work in this space and it can be exhausting, um, you know, but at the same time, like you mentioned, it's so important. So how do you remain realistic, but hopeful and motivated to keep going? What, and what advice would you give to uh, those of us working in this space to to keep going?
2: I love the words you use both realistic and hopeful because that's the struggle. Right. Sometimes being realistic, really, really challenges the hope. Part of it for me um, is being old, frankly. <laughs> um, you know, you, you remember the ozone hole You <laughs> I mean, back in, you know, that was like a big thing. That was something that we were doing globally, something that we we, we really didn't know what we could do or how we could figure it out. And in fact, you don't hear about that anymore. You remember acid rain uh, used to be a huge, huge thing, uh, lots of emissions coming from power plants that were um, acidifying uh, rivers and streams and lakes and and, uh, and really damaging uh, a lot. And, and nobody was quite sure if we could ever deal with it. And in fact, we have. You don't hear about that anymore because we were able to come together and, and, and fix it. If you remember... Um, air pollution in Los Angeles or in Pittsburgh or in places where if you go back and look at pictures in the 50s and 60s, you literally can't see a tree five feet away because the air pollution was so bad. Um, and, and I remember um, in, in the Congress, the hearings uh, around uh, the automakers who were saying, if you require us to clean up cars, we're, we're going to go bankrupt. We can't afford to do it. And, and at the time, uh, you know the uh, the the. I remember this was in the United States Senate. They said, "Hey, well, you know, we actually think you can, and um, and you know, if you can't, you're going to come back to us and say that that you you have this problem, and we'll try to figure it out. But right now, we're going to set this timeline for five years, and we think you can make it. Literally said that within two years, the catalytic converter, which is on every single car now and actually makes a huge difference, and you know, like that, um, was invented and marketed, and was in and and uh, the. The, our car companies were able to make those reductions in half the period of time that people thought they were going to. So so I've seen things that seemed impossible, intractable, hard to do. I've seen them be solved. And so that gives me some reason to believe that things that seem intractable today, that hard today um, can be solved. So so I think that's part of it. Um, the, the other is, uh, you know, the, the big challenge that we have on every big problem is time. It just is. It, it's like we, we have to go this far, you know, and if, if I'm, I'm holding my hands out right now and, and, and you feel like, well, policy will get you halfway there, but then how do you do the rest of it? That's always a challenge every time we have a big issue. And, and the only way, the only way to solve them is to keep at it, is to keep going. Because if we combine the drive that people have to solve problems with the sort of, um, entrepreneurial thinking that goes into whether it's technology or policy, there are people who are motivated to try to come forward with solutions. Time and again, we're able to overcome some of these things that seem intractable. There's no reason in my mind that we can't do that on climate. There's no reason that we can't do it on making sure that we can stay in place in Louisiana, that we can really protect enough of our coastline to be able to have the culture and the, and the lifestyle that we want to have here. That doesn't mean that it's not hard. It doesn't even mean that everybody will be able to stay everywhere they are today. That's not the case. But we on as a whole can do this. We just have to keep at it. We have to believe in each other. How do you not believe in each other when you look around after a storm like Ida and you see so many people stepping up, small steps, big steps, everything in between just to help each other? just to help each other. That's fascinating and just so inspiring to me. And if you see that and you understand that, there's no reason to think that we can't do these other important things. They're just not.
0: Well, I really appreciate that answer and perspective. And I think, it you know, um, I hope you're open to me calling you every now and then when I need, need to hear that again or that reminder. And and I hope folks also felt, um, you know, that that could help them as they, you know, work through and, and navigate very. I only, I only agree to that as
2: long as I can call and bug you guys all the time with. Because now, now, see, now that I don't have responsibility, I'm going to be really smart and have great ideas, right? And I'll, I'll share. Think, them I with
1: think you we're going to find out very quickly about Steve. He's staying in the office. He's, you know, st- I think we're going to find out very quickly how much he still wants to be around us. <laughs> if he stops, sh- stops showing up at the desk where we all know he lives in the office where we all know he's at. Um, so if he stops being around, then we'll get a really good feeling. About how Steve really feels about us.
0: Well, um, well, I hope you know we, we can expect nothing less. Um, and and you know certainly wish you the best, and know you'll keep us posted and stay closely connected um, as you move into this new role. But Simone, want to shift over to you a little bit. Congratulations. You know, as sad as it is to see Steve move into another role right now, you know, I know I and so many others feel that there's no one better to step into this position and keep moving with the significant momentum that's been set forward. So, I'm going to turn the tables on you a little bit. You're going to be the guest right now on Delta Dispatches. Did you send me the show, Doc? Did you
1: you send me these questions in advance? Were they approved? How does this work?
0: Right, exactly. You don't have the questions in front of you. Actually, we have a policy of of sharing our questions with our guests. So you have seen them, but it doesn't make it any less uncomfortable for you, I know. So let's let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, You were most recently Executive Director of Restore Retreat, um for 17 years? Is that accurate? Yeah.
1: 16.75. I feel like I've earned every bit of the 0.75. Uh,
0: I think we can round up on that one. No. I've certainly put, <laughs> put in the time that requires for rounding up. But first of all, I mean, I know we've talked on the show about your growing up in Homa and the impact that had on you, but what brought you to work in coastal restoration in Louisiana?
1: So I was I was recalling the story today. A, a very good friend, an old friend of mine, um, who helped hire me. He was on my first executive committee and um, was on a very similar. Um, he was the executive director of a very similar organization to Restore Retreat. Um, we we were talking about this story just today, but um, as you mentioned, I did I did grow up in South Louisiana. I grew up in Homa, um, and you know being coastal was always part of our lives, but I, I didn't necessarily come from a big hunting and fishing family. That was always something my friends did. They had camps or, um, you know, when you said that in, in Terrebonne, at least that you lived down the bayou, you had to ask somebody which bayou that was. Um, when I came to Restore Retreat, I learned that Lafouche only has one bayou. Um, so get that straight. But um, so, so I did, I did have this, this incredible you know, background growing up in coastal Louisiana, but I can't say that, you know, it was something, it was just there. Maybe, maybe I took it for granted. Um, and I say that because when this position became available, I just kind of never thought that that was something that somebody could do all day, all day was work on on this issue um and so it it was quite quite the education um becoming a, a relatively young executive director leading a nonprofit organization I, I did have some experience there having worked for um previous nonprofits um but but it was very different and i tell this story a lot because um, i started in january of um, of 2005, and then, um, of course, we all know hurricanes um, uh, Katrina and Rita hit uh, later that year, and and all the rules changed. They all changed. Um, they went from having restoration at the Department of Natural Resources and levies within the Department of Transportation, which is still like mind blowing to me that the Department of Transportation. Um, had oversight over levies. And they put it in one organization. They came up with this cool thing called the master plan that had to be updated. And so I I really benefited from that. um, And not in a, um, I mean, obviously the the hurricanes were very terrible, but on my professional path, I, I just happened to be there when all the rules changed and everybody was learning new rules. And so um, I think that that always was something that was um, really key to, to my work moving forward is that um, I didn't I didn't necessarily learn the old way of doing things. It was it was all new and different and and quite frankly, very challenging. Um, I at Restore Retreat, our mission, which has stayed the same since day one has it been about restoration and large scale restoration and sustainable, um, and impactful. And so when we started that, when I started there in 2005, that, that wasn't a thing. We had a particular project that we followed that was a billion dollar project. And they told us we were crazy, that we were absolutely crazy for thinking of a project like that. Um, obviously after Katrina and Rita, we built, um a world class protection system for New Orleans and so it was a lot about protection and uh, and then of course um being in the same place we saw a shift there after the oil spill in in how restoration really could complement um and protection. So I don't, I, I, you know, my story is is an interesting one about how I really got the job, but I would like to say um, that I earned it and that <laughs> I had to spend every day keeping it. But um, it, it is something that still I look back and I am so grateful that I get to work on something that I love every single day um, and that that's like an actual job. Maybe we should cut that part out. (laughs) Let's edit edit that part out that I can't believe this is a job.
0: (laughs) Well, I was going to ask, I mean, I have to ask, did little Simone always dream of being, you know, executive director of a, a nonprofit focused on coastal restoration and now campaign director of a coalition of NGOs working on one of the most important environmental issues in our state or country? I mean,
1: Yes, um, and thank you for flipping a question that I love to ask people around on me. Um, little Simone had a diary that said, "Dear diary, I would like to grow up to be the campaign director of a national coalition. How do you spell coalition? Um, no, so, so little Simone was probably more of a hot mess. Um, she I, I love to make up songs. I loved magazines of all things. I loved to write. I would cut things out of magazines and I wanted, I wanted to write for a a women's magazine when I grew up. Um, and so that, that probably led me more on a, um, a communications public relations path. And, um, One thing I can say is that I just love talking. Um, Ironically, my name means one who hears. um, But um, I, I love to talk. And once I found out that you could have a job doing that, there was no turning back for sure.
0: Well, I have to say, I mean, I do see the communications and storytelling, <laughs> um, you know, that you're referencing from your childhood shine through in your current role. So you've you've managed a way to keep going with that, even if you're not, you know, working at a women's magazine. But we're certainly lucky that you're with us um, and, and kind of moving into this role. So as you assume this new position, what are you most excited about?
1: I always you know, he, I, having started so long ago in coastal work, I, I always just thought, oh, it's about to get really good. Oh, it's about to re- get really good. Oh, how exciting. It's about to be really good. And so it's it's always like that. There is, there is some new challenge, um, but there is always usually paired with some new opportunity. And that's exciting to me. And and I'm, I just mentioned about Restore Retreat's mission and and how that evolved over time and thinking about how far we've come. And we've done so much work and there's so much to be proud about. I, I cannot say enough. I've, I've tried on the show so many times to talk about the leadership at our state's agency implementing this coastal master pr- Plan and how proud of like what a world class science document it is, um, and how exciting that work is. Um, But I think you touched on it a little earlier. There is so much more work to be done. And so, what's next? How can we tackle that? Um, Some of it's big and some of it's small. Um, But while we've accomplished so, so much. Work. There's there's just more to be done, and um, I'm excited to keep working on these challenges because um, I do feel like there's still opportunities around the corner.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a, a great response, and we'll continue to highlight you know what those big opportunities are in the coming years on this show. Of course, um, I think one of the things that makes our Restore the Mississippi River Delta Coalition special is I mean we are a coalition. We're focused on partnership, right? Partnership among ourselves, but partnership externally with all kinds of different organizations and individuals and agencies. So I know you're someone who really values relationships and, and partnership building, whether that's within communities, across government, across business. Um, so, you know, can you talk a little bit about um, a message to our MRD partners and, and and you know, what you would say in terms of, you know, your, your willingness and your openness and interest in working with people across Various sectors on this issue.
1: Oh, I think I think the partnerships is probably one of the most exciting things about our campaign. About um, when when we really lay it out, and and Steve talked a little bit about our origin and stuff. Just when you put all of the staff together, but how many people, um, how many partners that that staff works with and from there and there and and how those circles move out from there it's so exciting i love i love to work with different people and and learn something different and um i love i love that the different um this is probably one of those like overused linkedin words but but the synergy of like two people coming together that we're we're doing great things um but then together just doing amazing things um so i'm so excited that that about the partnerships because I really do feel like it's the backbone of, of our coalition and what we do. And um, we, we have a way that we operate. We have goals, we have deliverables, we have all these really big words. Um, But, but partnerships are so integral to our success. For us to continue to learn about things, to challenge ourselves, to do things differently, um, and and to just continue to grow and evolve as a coalition. And so, I'm so thankful that um, that our funder and that our staff really, really recognize how important partnerships are. And you know, we spent even today when um, we had a an, a staff discussion. We talked about some of the words that are are really important to us, and um, you know, trust was one of those words. And and we thought a lot about each one of those words that are part of our values. And and really, that's the only way that partnerships can work is that they're built on trust, and that you really take the time to build those relationships. Um. And and. Let them, you know, grow over time. It's not something you can rush. It's something that you have to nurture and you have to take care of, and and that's probably something that uh, I didn't know early in my career is that um, you got to put a lot into it to make sure that that you get something out of it. And I think that's really the key to our partnerships is is that trust level.
0: Well, I think that's a great um segue into um kind of our closing thoughts from each of you but i do want to ask simone to clarify in case people are wondering we should probably be explicit in this you will remain a co-host of delta dispatches (laughs) although you'll have a different intro is that correct
1: yeah like steve kind of questioned that during the off air and i was like "Mm, okay no yes i i um I would never break up with you. Um, That was a condition of my employment. Um, And I am very much looking forward to continue to explore. That's one of the great things about this show and, and I, I'm probably the more color commentary on this show um, and, and always have a, a an end in a laugh or a giggle. But um, I love that we get to explore all these partnerships. I love that I get to know more about my own colleagues and, and what they do. I think the fun question <laughs> helps a lot with that to really know how some people tick. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to continue um, the show and and to move forward. Um, in this new role and, and um, keep so many. uh, And Steve, I I can't say this enough, and I'm sorry that I have to say this on air to you, but um, there's nobody else I would do this after. (laughs) Um, And, and I admire Steve and Steve's career and everything. um, But, but, He can't go anywhere. He can't go too far um, because we still need that here. But I I wanted to let Steve know on the air and officially how important he is to me, um, both professionally and personally. And um, so so I just am so looking forward to continuing with his leadership and and to seeing what challenges around the corner and meet it with a, a really awesome opportunity.
0: Great. Well, we will certainly be able to follow you in your new role, and you'll have to keep us updated on how things are going. Of course, um, with with this new. If I just
1: don't show up for the show one day, then
0: you'll know. (laughs) Yeah, she's busy. She's busy. Yeah, a lot going on. Why Um, isn't she coming on? Uh... Well, thank you both for being on. I know you're both busy right now. Um, I think it's helpful to have our listeners hear from you directly, and of course, we can't let you go without the fun question. Um, Neither of our guests have been briefed on this fun question i Um, cannot wait so you know one of the things we do speaking of partnerships and education i mean we like to take people out to see the coast firsthand i know simone loves a good field trip love a good field trip steve loves a good field trip a good flyover you both have taken i don't know a lot of people out um whether it's kind of community leaders business leaders you know elected officials journalists um So if you could take one person, any person in the world, out on a boat trip of coastal Louisiana, who would you take and why?
1: I'll let Steve go first. I have an answer, but I'll let Steve go first. Yeah.
2: It may take you may take take you a while because I'm not sure I have an answer. Uh, if, <laughs> I'm, I'm torn between there are there people that I would like to take out and not bring back or are there people that I
0: want to take out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> All right. Okay, new new answer. New yeah. answer. Yeah. You said,
2: it was, you said it was a fun question. I mean, come on. Yeah, uh,
1: if, we, uh, if we edit that, then my answer is going to sound super
2: terrible. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man. Probably right now it would be uh, it would be the president. You know, come on, let's go. You need to see you need to see what's really going on out here, right? This is real. This is not in between. And uh, and and if you're you're in charge, you know, <laughs> let's go. So I think that would be uh, would be instructive and help uh, move move things forward. Um, but you know, you never know anyway. I, so that's, that's that's the best I got right now.
0: I think that's a pretty good answer and, and you know you heard it here folks, open invitation and there's a lot to see, right? So Um, I can't think of a better answer. Simone, how about you? Can you
1: imagine the security detail on (laughs) airboats? Put it up a little flame. You think
2: they'd be nervous? Oh, my God.
1: Immediately, my brain starts working like, oh, my God, we're going to have a flotilla. There is going to be like armored boat. Like, how does that even look? (laughs) So
2: so, so let me just say, here's one of the reasons why it's better for Simone to be in charge than me. (laughs) <laughs> she, I'm like, hey let's take the president out it'll be fun, right and like she's going yeah you want to did you
1: that? did you hear the story about how our audubon friends got stuck yesterday <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> that that's our legacy right i would exactly. i would have just gotten off in the marsh and not gotten back in the boat <laughs> i would have been like sorry sorry potus um i'm out <laughs> so i i do feel like um, okay? So there I go with my guest. My landline ringing. I'm that person. I'm that guest. Um, but uh, so so there's lots of things when I think about our fun question, right? There's the beauty queen answer. What what will what will earn me the most points? Um, what what is like? You know, I'm looking at the judges, what would they like better? Um, but I'm gonna go with my gut on this one. And my first instinct was to take my kids out uh, because they are they're at a super fun age. Um, they also have told their friends that all I do is talk on the phone or ride on boats. Like, like they, they have this idea, I think, I think of what I do <laughs> and in my head is, it is a little different. Um, so I would love to take them out. Um, and, and they're growing up similar to, I did, I would love for them to, uh, understand Louisiana more and how important it is and, um, you know, the, the ecological side of it, but also the cultural side and, and to learn more about that. And so I would love to take them out um, and to prove to them that it really is work when I come to pick them up um, at Carpool 8 with messy hair and a fishing shirt on, um, that, that we did something important today and that, that we moved the ball forward in some kind of way. And, whether it be on a boat where we got to bond with people and, and forge a lasting relationship or show them, show them the more marsh that was torn up after the recent storm and why we need to build back the natural infrastructure to protect the protection. So um, I think that's really important. And I would, I would like for them to understand um, how important this is moving forward and, and how, you know, we're, we're part of this, um, bigger team that works on this every day for them, right? You know, and, and that sounds like a beauty queen answer, but that that's true, right? Why, why do Steve and I do this? Um, and then that's one of the big drivers of why we do it. Not for today, but
0: for tomorrow. I love that answer too. And I think it's one of those things that I miss well that. Yeah, what? there you go. <laughs> so no, but now it needs to happen, right? Because now that you put it out there, it's like, all right, feel field trip for The Malaz children, um, I'm sure they'll love it. So, oh man,
1: I I can't even fathom what those two would have to say about some stuff.
2: (laughs) I I will tell you that because I, I did take uh, my son, who's a little older than your kids, but um, I took him and his girlfriend up at one point, and it was a really smart thing to do because it really does. Like, first of all, I mean, you know, hopping in the back of a plane and flying up. I mean, it's a pretty it's always cool. It's always fun. But it really, it there isn't any better way. And we know this because of what we do, but there really isn't any better way to, for people to actually see what, what's going on, what's really going on out there. It's just, it's very, very real. And that's just, that's tremendously beneficial, I
0: think. Well,
2: Thank you both for Wait, everything. No, sir. This uh, is half oh, my show oh. too. Half Uh-oh. my show too. Answer <laughs> I the question. I was gonna
0: get out answer of it. Answer the
1: question, Mr. Abear. Answer the question.
0: I was I was thinking about it a lot because I knew you wouldn't let me get out of it. Um, of course I could go with the like, you know, very fun and easy answer, like, oh, I don't want to take Britney Spears out. But um Well, we already I, know you I, took Margaret yeah. Orr out. We've already heard about I all did. that. Yeah. Well, I think I'd go, you know, a similar route. Um, Although, you know, I was really thinking about like, who would I want to take out? I think I'd want to take Hoda Kaki. And the reason is because she is someone who loves New Orleans and, and she loves our region so much, right? It's just part of who she is. And she's kept that love, even though she's gone all the way to the Today Show and she talks about it all the time. And Still keeps in touch with Karen Swenson, and they have their whole Twitter back and forth.
1: Gosh, but- Jacques, you know a lot about Oda. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I love Oda. Um, but I, you know, similarly, like in terms of having that impact of getting up there and seeing kind of both what's at stake and the potential and opportunity, I would imagine for someone who loves our region as much as she does, like it would just have such a transformative impact on her and her ability to tell the story. Um, and so that's who I would go with, because I think that's what drives a lot of the us and the work we do, right? We have a love of this place and the love of the culture and the people and everything it represents. And so it really shows what's what's worth um, fighting for. So Hoda Koppi, uh President Biden, the Malaz children, you all have open invitations. That sounds, to like, next that sounds like a joke. The yeah, Malaz kids,
1: Kota <laughs> and Hoda walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Walk into a marina. <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe we can get them all out on a big airboat, but it won't get stuck when, when we do it. <laughs> so, um, well, thank you both so much um, for, for everything and especially for taking the time. Um, I know you're busy to kind of talk through this transition and kind of wh- where, you know, you're each going from here. We'll continue to follow, of course, um, what's happening with Simone and, and our Restore the Mississippi River Delta Coalition and then, Steve, you always have an open invitation on Delta Dispatches, um, 171 episodes and counting. So you clearly did something right when you kicked us off.
2: Let I me mean, quickly just say thank you both for, for everything that you have been doing here. And thank you, Simone, for your immensely kind words, which I don't deserve, but I really appreciate hearing them anyway. Um, and and for, for both of you, really for everything that you're doing, not just with this podcast, but all the work that you're doing to help this coast.
0: Thank you, Steve. We appreciate that. Um, And so it is time now for our Coastal Stat of the Week and getting back to the history lesson. We just thought it would be an appropriate reminder that Restore the Mississippi River Delta is a coalition of three national organizations, Environmental Defense Fund, National Wildlife Federation and the National Audubon Society and two local partners, the Coalition Restore Coastal Louisiana and Pontchartrain Conservancy. Um, It was established in 2007 with the vision to reconnect the Mississippi River to its delta to protect people, wildlife and jobs. The coalition's founding premise has been to address Louisiana's coastal land loss crisis through leveraging the power of nature, particularly the Mississippi River, to build back land along the Louisiana coast. Through using the latest scientific research and engaging stakeholders across industry, communities, and government, the MRD has successfully educated and advocated for sustained public and financial support for multiple projects from barrier reefs to sediment diversions. And you can learn more at mississippiriverdelta.org. And our Coastal Voice of the Week um, this week is comes from Steve Cochran, and it's um, a quote from uh, one of our press releases that we issued. And I think it just really encapsulates um, pretty well, you know, what we're all trying to articulate and, and what we're working towards. And Steve said, in a state that has had emergency flood disasters declared in every parish, at least twice over the last 20 years, it is no surprise that Louisianans see and are concerned about the impacts from a changing climate and a disappearing coast. The stakes could not be higher as decisions made in the coming years will not only determine what kind of Louisiana we leave our children and grandchildren, but where that future will be. So thank you, Steve, as always, for the voice that you've given to our coast. And I know you'll continue to be an advocate, a champion for Louisiana and, and our issues going forward.
2: Thank you guys very much.
0: All right. Well, with Jock, do I get
1: my show back next week? What is this? How
0: does this (laughs) work? Well, you'll have to have your people talk to my people. We'll have to, you know, negotiate some things. Technical Simone, Simone you could probably probably
2: fire him now if you wanted to. I am am
1: thinking about slashing the budget for this show. And um, yeah, I know I'm going to start with the talent. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, I think I'd think i like a bigger dressing room, Simone. I think we we're going to have to go through some contract negotiations. But if I'm going out, I hope it, it would go out like the view and, and, and a lot of drama. <laughs> so again, great episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with Simone Malaz, our campaign director at Restore the Mississippi River Delta. And until then, we will see y'all later, alligators.